Hello and welcome to Rise of the Data Cloud. Today's episode features an interview with Babu Kutala, Chief Data and Analytics Officer at ABB, a large multinational manufacturing company. Previously, Babu has served as an executive at companies like The Hartford, Lowe's Home Improvement, and Honeywell. On this episode, Babu talks about how he has used analytics to drive growth at ABB, what's next for cloud analytics, and much more. So please enjoy this interview between Babu Kutala, Chief Data and Analytics Officer at ABB, and your host, Steve Hamm. So it's great to talk to you today, Babu. I actually wanted to start off and talk to you a little bit about your background in India. And I I have a particular interest in it because uh, during a period when I worked for Business Week as a writer, I actually went to India, I think, eight times in 10 years. And I was was writing about the rise of the Indian tech industry. And I went to about five or six cities, talked to lots of executives. And I've also met a lot of people who grew up in India who've come to America like you and are playing important roles in information technology, either within the companies that use it or obviously we know about so many of the Indian entrepreneurs. So I wanted to start off by asking you about something about your your education. I see that you got a BS at the University of Calicut in Kerala in chemistry and biology. Then you came to the U.S. and you got a master's in information technology. And I wanted to find out what led you to make that change in directions. Very good. Thanks, Steve. So I born in southern part of India, a small state called Kerala, which is the southern tip and you know, very close to uh, Bay of Bengal and Arab Arabian Sea. An interesting point of Kerala is we are the, we are the only state in this world has a over 90% literacy. So we hold that Guinness Book World Record. And our brand name for our state is God's Own Country. And now back to what is the reason behind my degree and why did I come to U.S.? So... I graduated in early 1990s with bachelor's in chemistry and biology. That is the time the rise of computers is happening. So many companies are shifting from mainframes to mid-range computers. ERP systems are getting very, very popular and uh, software is being getting into mainstream. Hence, I decided to pursue a degree in software engineering Particularly, I was fascinated by databases, database programming. And during my undergraduate days, Steve, I spent numerous hours in chemistry and biology labs. So I think I got that kind of analytics mind, which drove my passion for data and analytics. And when you came out, did you start as a software coder or what kind, how did you launch your career in America? So I started and I went to school here. Then I started as a a Windows database programmer. This is back in in our mid-90s. We are building uh, workflow systems for hospitals, for patient records and treatment. That's where I started my career. Then lately, I moved into e-commerce and started becoming a good database architect and then kind of rose my career as a data architecture, data analytics, and into more a industry thought leader in data analytics space. Yeah, yeah. So I see you have, 
you've had quite a varied career in terms of the types of companies you've worked for. Insurance, then you work for a resort, a home improvement retailing, and then most recently in manufacturing. So it sounds like the narrative line that runs through all these jobs is the focus on data and databases. Is that correct? It is. And, you know, Steve, it's very simple. First is I don't like stereotype jobs. And if you look at my, you know, my career, one thing, all this industry vertical you mentioned, you know, whether it is insurance or a retailer or a entertainment or manufacturing, one thing all these companies have is common is data. And I like to solve the problems using data. And my belief is a analytical driven company must have a strong data management culture. So it's really interesting to think about the narrative arc of your career from the mid 90s when, you know, the era of client server computers and and these big relational databases and things like that to where we are today. It's almost like you've been through two or three lifetimes in terms of how data has changed. Can you kind of compare and contrast what the capabilities were for dealing with data back then compared to now? Yeah, absolutely. So I am one of the, you know, one of the luckiest to really leverage my career with the industrial transformation. Okay. What that I mean is, for example, take the case of insurance in, in early 2000, you know, the internet is, uh, is becoming a mainstream. And if you look at insurance companies, one of the core capability they need is data because you need to you, you use your data for understanding the risk exposure, managing the risk, also creating insurance products. So in that time, you know, as you know, that is the time insurance companies are kind of moving out from traditional MIS and the statistical functions into more like a data warehousing world. Right, right. So that's, I started from there. Then, and also there, you know, interestingly, I got a lot of, basics I learned about good data management practices, the importance of quality of the data. The reason I'm saying this, Steve, is if you look at insurance companies, their raw material is data. They're, the more data they have, the better data they have, they can you know, assess your risk exposure and make sure that you know, they can offer the right product at the right price at the right situation. So I learned that. Then I moved to Lowe's, which is the second largest home improvement retailer in the U.S. As you know, in mid-2005, with the Amazon and Walmart, most of these brick and mortar retailers want to get into omni-channel capabilities. That's their biggest transformation, how they can be have an e-commerce presence. We are reaching, you know, these large shops are becoming a showcases like a furniture industry, and the people are buying things from internet. So I came right into that right time and the Lowe's really want to drive a big transformation around omni-channel and they, they want to modernize their stores. And their CIO was looking for somebody with a strong data management background. Reason is, again, in, if you look at the retail, their raw materials are their products, isn't it? So they're, they're not a big data savvy. So he wants somebody with, that kind of a data management, data culture background to bring here to drive that business transformation. 
So there I was helping to building this master data solutions to see a single view of the customer and the customer buying experience, route optimization, customer analytics, kind of various these kind of um, analytics to really support the new business transformation within retail. Later, I moved into another industry, which is uh, you know, entertainment, which is the revel. As you know, by that time, smartphones are very, very popular. High-speed internet, it's a commodity. And all this entertainment and tourism travel, they're producing so much data through their customer interaction, guest experience, etc. So that employer now wanted to build a data-centric model to support their gust life cycle management to provide a memorable, everlasting customer experience. Okay. So I able to get into that space and help that organization to build, you know, a good, strong analytical capabilities to really do this gust life experience. Say, for example, and that's where you, we started, you started at the beginning of using this artificial intelligence and machine learning into your business processes. I, I give an example, Steve. You know, when you go to a hotel and when you ask for the room, you give your driver's license. So at the level, we scan your driver's license or we find out, oh, Steve is here for his birthday. From their own words, we started offering you, the system started curating different customer experiences. For example, when you get to the room, there is a, a chocolate, there's a champagne. When you turn on the TV, they say, it's a happy, you know, happy birthday. I'm glad you are here. So there you start using analytics into your business processes to have a different experience. Then again, you know, then in last eight years, you know, 2000. 2012, I moved to industrial manufacturing, which is I was working for Honeywell, now ABB. As you can see, IoT is getting into mainstream. There's a predictive maintenance, preventive maintenance, you know, having a services, manufacturing. So this IoT device is becoming very, very popular. And these manufacturers want to pick up that part and they want to digitize their product. So that's where and I started working at Honeywell, building big data solutions, uh, you know, uh, advanced analytics capabilities. Then my, I moved to ABB four and a half years ago and continuing the journey. So in summary, Steve, you see four different segments, four different analytical data problems, and at the same, during the part of that business transformation. So, you know, in summary, this change in my you know, career is not accidental. It's well-driven because it's aligned with that industrial transformation happening in the business. And when I select for a job, when I look for a career, you know, these things, the three things is very important for me. Business value realization, culture and behavior transformation, and craft a new data ecosystem across the industry that using the, our data management knowledge. So if you look at in my career, I am a, a transformational turnaround analytic strategy leader. So the key was, my goal was enabling business value using data and analytics platforms. Now, I want to focus in on ABB now. You're the chief data and analytics officer there. I know that you're based in, North, in Cary, North Carolina, but the company's based in Zurich, Switzerland. Yes, 
I think it would be really great. I, I, I'm not sure all the the listeners are going to be familiar with ABB and its products. So it, it would be great, I think, if you could describe the the various dimensions of the company's business and where it's going strategically. Absolutely. So ABB is a Swiss global industrial manufacturer. Our headquarters, corporate headquarters, is in Zurich. We have plants all over the world. In fact, 50% of the business is coming from Americas. So Americas is one of the largest in a region for ABB. And Americas headquarters is based in Cary, North Carolina. So the way ABB segmented is in four business areas. Electrification, we make circuit breakers, switches, etc. Then we have motions. That's where we make large motors, industrial motors. Then we have an industrial automation business. That's where we support like energy, mines, and you know, freight ship, you know, ships, all those things. Then we have a robotics. There we make robots to support automation in factories and hospitals, etc. So we have these four different segments. And the largest segment is electrification, which is roughly around $12 billion. And the rest is a six billion, six billion, three billion. We are around twenty-eight billion dollar company, twenty-eight billion dollar in revenues, over hundred and ten thousand employees around the globe. So in ABB, most of their executives work from different region because we want to embrace and promote diversity. Now, I'm just guessing that automation and robotics are two of the larger kind of growth areas for the company. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, robotics is a very big high growth area, industrial automation, and also electrification is one of the highest growth area because of, you know, this uh, self-charging stations, solar, you know. Oh, oh, oh. So, so all the alternative energy being brought in is adding, a, there's a lot of infrastructure that goes between the source and the use, and you're providing that. Exactly. So, you know, if you look at you know, in ABB is in uh, energy creation, energy distribution, and energy conception, or, you know, you can say power creation, power distribution, power conception. Mm-hmm. So we play a big role there, you know, so especially, you know, we, we have a lot of, you know, like drives, which uses in big data centers. So all of these businesses are growing, but electrification is growing enormously. I got you. Now, you've been there for about four years. Were you brought in as chief data and analytics officer? No. But at some point, you got that title, and I understand that you were the first person to have that role, right? Yes. Okay. Talk about that. How did the company decide to have somebody in that role, and how do you define it, and how do you do it? Perfect. So in ABB, we have two types of data internal business data and our external products data. So I'll make it as very simple. Internal data means anything we create internally to serve our customers or our make our products. Like, you know, the, the, the data coming from our, uh, you know, our ERP systems or Salesforce or our customers contact systems, etc. The next set of data is you know, we, we are a technical uh, manufacturing company. So we have softwares and sensors in our products. So we collect that data to provide more, you know, enhanced services to our customers. It's kind of the digitizing the product. So that is we you call it as our external data. 
with our product related i am responsible for the internal business data to really use this data for see how we can grow how we can optimize how we can simplify etc okay so i'm the i have that role so when and you know how the the abb decide to have this kind of a chief data analytics role so when i started at abb i'll give you a little bit uh, a story around this when i started at abb back in 2016 i came to lead america's region because it has the 50% of the revenue we had a major big acquisitions happened that time we bought baldo thomas and bet some of the leading brand in large motors and electrification so you know we we have a goal of having a, a stability and reliability and the standardization of data across our region so while i'm doing that job in this journey we immediately recognize that one of the biggest thing we need to have is a data technical architecture to modernizing our data platform that was the kind of key for our standardization so we immediately performed a you know point of a proof of concept using a cloud based big data solution so an example we used like a microsoft azure and cloudera etc to show them yeah we can introduce this technologies in uh, our region in in americas that is kind of noted by our global cio and the svo of supply chain management and they said okay you know what this is great but we need this globally not just for one region so there they moved me into uh, take the responsibility of the global technology and innovation team there my goal was building a enterprise data architecture using the next gen data platforms so we created a modular and adaptable data architecture framework with these capabilities now you know we face another challenge because abb is building system systems for a long time and we have a very matured sdlc process but now we are going to deal with new kind of technologies like cloud systems big data solutions these are still growing in the industry not matured yet or not even some of them are not even commoditized yet so for that we need to have a different methodology like fail fast recover fast easy to change agile so we need to have a different methodology to even implement or try out the systems so not only we did that point build out the architecture we created a kind of a analytics delivery methodology using scaled agile and bring some of the things like you know using point of view, creating a proof of value and also using some design thinking principles you know collecting the user stories etc so we built a framework to implement these uh, you know new emerging technologies using a, a new model so we also need to educate and teach abb to how you do this using this new way right so you were building all this up kind of next to the the data and technology infrastructure that already existed but the new platforms are you know with new workloads new kinds of analytics new capabilities and very experimental it sounds like exactly so what we did is as you know what the biggest challenge is uh, with the, you know when you are in an analytics space things take a longer time to building a data warehouse or it's a 18 months journey so but now we were we live in a in a time that we don't have 18 months to wait so that's where we introduced the concept called the proof of value and also more along with this proof of value okay yes the technology is working let us 
to solve this problem and prove it for as one business case. Okay. And we kind of used almost like a, a internal crowdsource funding. So rather than asking large, big project budget, we are asking small projects like in 50,000, 100,000 to test and prove it off, prove to show a value to the business. Okay. And in because of doing that, and we delivered some of the very interesting analytical capabilities such as text analytics using Microsoft services. We used IBM Watson for cognitive analytics to really mine and analyze our customer complaints and issue resolution, etc. So that process is also working. While doing this, we have a new CIO joined in ABB and he is very passionate about data and analytics. So he came to me and said, okay, Babu, we really need a chief data analytics officer for managing this. So this, we need to support three things. We need to support all our master data. We need to support all our legacy BI and business intelligence application. And also we need to uh, you know, support all this new advanced analytics and the new modern data platform. So that's where, you know, I, he got promoted me to the role. Then I have the role for the last two years to driving this transformation across ABB. And as you said, I, I believe you said you focus on the internal business data, not on the, ex, the the IoT stuff that's in the products that you sell to customers. Is that correct? That is correct. So I, because, you know, we, we have, you know, uh, as you know, we, we are around the globe and we have over, uh, you know, hundreds of applications and we need to capture all this data and really modernize and simplify. So that's a quite a bit of challenge to bring the data from all the systems to help to do the internal process optimization. Well, this is, a, I think, probably a good place to bring in the Snowflake connection because obviously that's one of the new modern data platforms. So I, I wanted to find out when and why did you start using the Snowflake technology and how are you using it now? Okay, so ABB, when I look at this, uh, you know, when I in my uh, role, we have two problems, uh, two challenges, let me put that way. One is we have several ERP systems is producing a lot of data for business processes. Okay, then 70 to 75% of our user community still want standard BI solutions like ad hoc analysis, you know, business intelligence, you know, standard reporting, etc. So we had a cloud platform, big data platform to address the large volume of the data, but the Hadoop platforms are not optimized for doing traditional data warehouse or simple BI capabilities, like a drill down reporting, a user ad hoc analysis, etc. That's where we got the interest in using some traditional, like a cloud-based data warehouse solution. That's where we started to use, we are looking into Snowflake. You know, then also we had some criteria also, as you know, we are a globally dispersed large you know, industrial manufacturer. And so data privacy and data security is very, very important for us. So there are some strict regulations in certain countries and certain regions that, you know, you cannot move the data outside the country. So we need to find out that a architecture and a technology who supports this kind of a distributed data platforms. So when we looked at Snowflake, it kind of meet all our criteria. First is it is a compute and storage based. It is a multi-cloud, multi-cloud architecture. 
and is predominantly building this, you know, we will get to support the big 75% of the community. So we started the Snowflake journey. Right. And if I understood correctly, one of the advantages of it was that you know, you were addressing the fact that a lot of governments around the world require certain kinds of data to be stored and kept locally and not kind of spread around. But with, with Snowflake, you can share it without moving it, right? That's exactly correct. Exactly correct. And so, and it perfectly fit with our architecture principle. So our architecture principle is logically one, physically multiple. Right, right. So so I implemented, I have a Snowflake platform running in, in, in US region to, to capture all the data from US. Then I have a you know the same same architecture, but a diff a, a separate physical another implementation in Europe to capture all the European data, and now and I have another implementation in Singapore to really map that Asia Pacific China all those data sits in these three Snowflake instances, one common architecture, one common data model, three physical implementation, which means the integration of the using this data together is very seamless. And I got the flexibility to manage this data privacy and the data security. Very interesting. Now, you mentioned the fact that you, as you're building on top of these modern platforms, you're doing a bunch of experimenting, even some crowdsourcing kind of stuff to really have proof of value concepts. So can you remember what your first Snowflake uh, proof of value pilot project was? Yeah, so basically, the our first project, you know, there are two parts we did. So one is, you know, the way we did is, one is the bring all the data into our Snowflake platform from all around all the region. So that exactly the work we are uh, near finishing. You know, we, we started like, you know, a 100-day plan to do all the data ingestion. And, you know, I want to bring this point is with the Snowflake, you know, you, you have a zero infrastructure an upfront cost, isn't it? You know, you don't need to have a hardware, software, engineers, technicians, nothing, because it's all computer storage based as a platform, as a service. You are getting it from uh, Snowflake. So we said, okay, we will have a 100-day plan to bring all the ingest the data. But that's good. But like you said, then we said, okay, we need to have a proof of value first in order to also deliver. So we said we are going to have an executive intelligence to support all our business leaders to have some core metrics so they can drill down, analyze to see, monitor the performance of the ABB business. So we built an executive intelligence system first. Uh, and uh, deliver across our business leadership. So they, and they able to use it in the smartphones to see that kind of metrics, you know, how the business is performing on a daily basis. That was our first deliverable. And it was a huge success because, because of the cloud and computing and this power, it was lightning speed. And it was very easy to use. And we did is literally less than hundred days. Wow, very impressive. Exactly. That's a big, big excitement and drive within ABB. Now, you know, we are looking into much, much bigger business cases. Yeah. I would imagine that since the, the kind of the end users and the beneficiaries of this technology were executives, business executives, that this probably really primed the pump for you to get approval to, to do much more with the cloud data platform, I would think, right? Yes, absolutely. So now we know 
our goal is you know how you can move analytics from corporate to the floor isn't it so like you know uh, the, our objective is now to give more data and analytics capability to our people are in the factory floor the assembly line managers the financial analysts so because they are very close to decision making so now you know now we have the platform is ready we can drive that kind of capabilities so that way you know you can have a really a plan to president model what our president is seeing you know you can immediately go and correlate that with a view in the plant so does the cloud data platform really enable abb to do things that it either couldn't do before or couldn't do as well before uh, yes absolutely see as you know abb most of our data warehouse platforms are on perm okay so there is a you know a lot of cost we need to do buying the hardware buying the software more importantly in any any data warehouse the biggest challenge is always the query performance so there's an enormous amount of time people spend to optimizing the query buying or adding more memory or you find another like you know, in memory solutions you add on solutions etc you know because the more data you have you are the, the query performance will be you know lesser and lesser with a cloud data warehouse you don't need to worry any of those things you know so in my team i don't have any more database administrators or engineers i have is more now the business analyst with uh, technical knowledge so they can spend more time on building analytical solutions to serve the customer in my past life i have a dbas i have a unix administrators i have a network administrators and every time there's a problem we need to bring all together and see why is this query slow that problem completely went away so in a way you've automated using technology in data analytics and data management things like that yeah absolutely and also now repurpose our skill that is a very very important thing you know because uh, so you know we have a very strong resources with the abb they know lot of abb business knowledge but they were spending lot of this uh, query writing query monitoring query tuning now they are all working on now really solving the business problems so we able to reskill and upskill our resources No that makes a lot of sense. I imagine companies all over the world are doing that right now. The the ones that are on the cloud platforms. So you mentioned before that you use IBM's Watson technology and you know I'm talking to a lot of people on the podcasts and it's really clear that you know cognitive computing, AI, machine learning, you know the whole array of things whatever you want to call it is exploding in the world of business. Can you talk about, you know, how you're either using the Watson technology now or how you're using machine learning technology? What kind of what's the array of things you're doing? So we were using predominantly, you know, the Watson technologies for integrating our unstructured and structured data to solve our, you know, quality issues. So, you know, we get a lot of customer complaints and issues, you know, where okay, you know, we sold a motor, the motor is not working, you know, something like that. so we brought that that information the text data then we correlated with our quality information which is generated from the factories when the product is creating and then we started doing this cause and effect analysis and then identifying okay, what exactly the problem happened in the past you know and how how many times and then used to use this kind of a, a watson solution were kind of recommending okay what is the next thing we need to do 
you know, to solve this problem. So we were using that kind of uh, cause and effect analysis uh, using uh, IBM Watson, and we are using a lot of uh, machine learning, AI-based sales recommendation. You know, you're looking at your uh, sales data and uh, you know, your uh, opportunity data and your customer complaints data and see what is the probability of a new service we can sell to a customer. So, I mean, the key thing here, Steve, is these things, you know, these kind of capabilities are pretty much a bread and butter now in retail industry. If you look at that, Amazon is doing that, Lowe's is doing that. So when it comes to this B2B like an industrial manufacturer, you know, this is the kind of capabilities we are enabling to really drive our digitization or our digital value chain journey. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Mark Andreessen, the founder of Netscape and now a big venture capitalist, he, in the 1990s, made the statement, software is eating the world. But I saw that NVIDIA's CEO, Jensen Wang, recently, a couple of years ago, said AI is going to eat software. So that's a pretty radical statement. Do you agree with, with Jensen? How is AI changing the way organizations use technology and use software? So, you know, I, I have the similar view like Jensen, but I put it in a different way. AI is going to become integral part of your software. Okay. So think about that. Software is like ERP system helped tremendously in industrialization age to automate repetitive manual processes. Now we are in information age. And AI is going to bring intelligence, self-learning, and cognitives to these business processes as part of the software. You know, so that means, you know, the, these processes will automatically is going to decide who, who should I ship the, to the customer, which customer I should ship first, you know, which product I need to make must. So the software is not going to go away, but the AI is more being big, big part of this software. Yeah. Being embedded, essentially, I guess. Exactly. So the interesting thing, Steve, here is this will introduce new sets of skills and competencies and talent. So, you know, if you, if you look at that, you know, in the companies now, you might not need anymore a traditional welder. You need a welder with the knowledge and skills to operate a robotic welding arm. And, you know, 20 years ago, this machine learning and statistical programming is kind of a very elite, isn't it? Now this is becoming a commodity and every industry and every process needs this. So that's kind of my point of view. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I think that's really good. You know, people have been talking about the Internet of Things for decades. And, you know, the, the capabilities have been there. But it, it really, right now, we're starting to have an incredible installed base of devices, sensors, and the ability to bring in that data, sometimes streaming real time. And you're in the manufacturing business. I would just imagine that this is revolutionizing your business. So I wanted to find out, you know, what are your plans for using IoT data going into the future? So, you know, we have, we have a new separate uh, function within ABB called Ability, which is our uh, digital platform for our customers. That's where, you know, we collect this IoT type data from our products, you know, because we have softwares and IoT devices in our products. We collect this information to do asset monitoring, you know, remote servicing and, you know, preventive maintenance, predictive model, predictive maintenance, etc. So that is a market we are going to get do more and more, especially with, uh, with the COVID. 
you know th this is becoming more and more because i don't think any, you know anybody want people come to your plant or factories or, or, or your facility to do maintenance so these companies are expected to do these things remote so there's a huge demand is going to happen for industrial manufacturing for these type of iot type capabilities at the same time you know internally for internal perspective abb or like companies like an you know, abb we also need to capture the same data from our factory machines and uh, so that way we can also do much more floor optimization and you know, we can based on our you know the business production demand when we can shut down the plant how what will be the impact you know which machine we can go for services and how that's going to affect our our productivity so there's a lot of analytics we can use using this iot type of data coming up from our internal machines as well but that's the one the journey we are going to start in uh, early 2021 okay now we're speaking in the midst of the covid crisis a global crisis you're in a global company manufacturing all over the place with supply chains distribution chains and I would imagine that this COVID crisis has disrupted all of those aspects of your global business. So I wanted to find out how have you been using data analytics to deal with those disruptions and uncertainties? First of all, it's terrible what is happening and nobody didn't anticipate this. So there was no kind of any model. Oh, yeah, you know, we, we have done this. We can reuse it, isn't it? So. So we need to find. So we are using this data predominantly to do a lot of, you know, correlation analysis to see how our supply chain is going to affect, you know, how we can route our, uh, you know, deliveries and, you know, when we can deliver things. So we are doing this kind of uh, analysis to really see how we want to plan and adapt in for the next, uh, you know, next three to six months. So we are doing a lot of analysis, or you know, like we are we are using a lot of you know external data, and you know, see okay, you know, which factories we can open, how much orders we have, can we shift some orders to other factories? So these are the kind of uh, uh, analytics we are doing to support this COVID situation. Yeah. Hey, now I want to ask you to put on your visionary cap, and look out into the future, say like the next five years or so. How do you see data and data analytics changing business and even changing society? So for me, the change has already happened in certain industries. Take the case of travel, tourism, retail. Okay, Today, no one is calling to a travel agent to book the ticket. You go to Expedia, you apply some filters, you get your ticket options, and you are using a smartphone is doing that. This is self-service. Okay, So now you are expect the same capability in your professional workspace. Okay. And, and then look at the, what millennials are doing. They are very data savvy. They are conversing and communicating through 140 character text and visual clues. That's what they're using Instagram, Snapchat, etc. Okay. And that is one of the reasons how we able to contain very quickly this pandemic like a COVID. Because through smartphones, and we are sending a lot of information, a lot of videos, etc. This is become now, this has become the kind of must have in, in our professional work environment. Because people expect that, okay, if I have a motor, it's not working, I need to take a picture of that uh, or take a video of that, that issue and I need to send to my customer service. I don't want the person come to my office or my plant, you know. So what I mean that it is, I think there is a, a huge 
demand for data and analytics is going to change the way we are going to behave and whether we are going to collaborate and we are going to interact. And I will mention one more point before I, you know, summarize this. If you look at the evolution of information technology, it started with infrastructure centric, isn't it? We have, we are focused on hardware, etc. Then it moved into more application centric, like ERP applications, you know, like SAPs, uh, you know, uh, client server application, etc. Then we moved into more like a business process centric, like e-business, e-commerce, internet, you know, those kind of things. Now we are moving to very data centric. So you will see most of the businesses are based on the data and the data centric business models. And if you summarize this in a one word, that's what everybody's talking about now, digitalization and digital value chain. So the data analytics become the centric point, the center point for most of the, any of the new businesses or existing business going forward. Yeah, I think there's, it's like there's a huge wave and we're all riding it, you know? Absolutely. And it's already there. And as I said, the new millennial workforce, they are very used to it, you know? So I think there's a quite a bit of need to do to get that, how fast we can get into this part of the, the business processes and the business transformations. Well, Babu, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Your stories and insights about what you do with data and how you've been using it and, and the benefits you get from it has been fascinating. And I also think that just the, the interesting perspective that you bring as you know, a real data-heavy guy over, you know, you've, you've lived through several waves of technology and you've seen it advance and you're, you've always been at the cutting edge in, in each of those waves. So I think your insights have been uh, particularly useful and particularly fascinating today. So thanks again very much. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate your time. That does it for this episode of Rise of the Data Cloud. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by Snowflake. To see how you can get secure and easy access to any data with near infinite scalability, visit snowflake.com.